Uh, this third highly resistant problem, or as the Institute of Basic Life Principles would say, root problem of this lust of the flesh, 2 Timothy 3 6. Now, I've gotten all three of them out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 7. All three of them are dealt with in that chapter. Here in verse 6, for this sort are they that creep into houses and led captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts. Immorality, which is uh, could be defined also as the lust of the flesh. Uh, this area of sin, uh, we are told to flee from. Flee from. It's one of them things you cannot mingle with without being burnt by. There's a few things. I just studied through the Bible, and I found that we're told to flee from the wrath of God. Luke chapter 3, verse 7, Jesus said, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath of God? Let me define the word flee. It's with the same intensity that you're in a house that's burning and it's on fire and it's quickly, quickly your opportunity to leave is going to be gone. The smoke's going to take over. You're not going to be able to figure out how to get out. The heat and the smoke and you're going to be dead. Most people in fires, by the way, do not die from the fire. They die from the smoke. And so I got a fireman here, so I got to watch what I say. But I uh, got a veterinarian, fireman, and policeman. They're all going, you know. But anyways, the, 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 um, the fire, you got a, a window of opportunity to get out. And if you don't take that, you may not get out of that place. And so if there was a fire of that intensity and I knew about it, <clears throat> and I was... Uh, you were sitting in your living room, and I was—I noticed there was a raging fire in your house, and I'm on the outside, I'd yell, flee, run, run. My brother and I were spreading contact cement in a motel on the beach in 1970, and I was doing some floor covering in there, spreading contact cement. What I didn't notice, and what I cannot still believe, is that they had a gas dryer. Now, nobody's got gas in Florida, at least back then. Nobody had gas. Less, nobody had gas on the beach, but those people had an LP dryer system. So I'm in there spreading highly flammable contacts, man, thinking they got electric dryer, electric washer, right? I was wrong. Pretty soon I hear this horrifying sound, and I got a gallon of contacts, man, in my hand, it comes right on up. I drop the gallon, of course, it hits the floor. Now the whole, there's fire literally sealing the floor. I back out of the room. And I'm trying to figure out where the fire extinguisher is. My brother tries to figure it out. Well, somebody had been stealing their fire extinguishers, so they had screwed them shut. Now, you don't do that. You just let them steal your fire extinguisher because both Jim and I were grabbing this thing. We jerked it off the wall. The bolts right out of the concrete, because you got some, you got some adrenaline going. As the flame, there's a certain sound or the roar of that flame. And so we jerked this thing off. Throw it on there. We're standing on it, trying to get this thing. This your, this handle's flat. They're supposed to just come out, right? But the guy, the guy got it like screwed in, man. It ain't coming out. And so my brother says, "Back, back away!" And he gets a, a straight edge, which has pointed in. And he starts, and he and he finally is able to break the glass or plastic or plexiglass. I think they placed the glass with plexiglass so it wouldn't break. So we got it broken. We find he gets the thing. In the meantime, a guy comes out of his room. And sees what's going on. He comes right up to my ears. We're trying to negotiate getting this uh, extinguisher out of here. 
And he yells, right, he gets about this far from my ear and he goes, run, run, run. Because this black smoke is about head high now. When I say black smoke, contacts man has just a pitch black smoke with strings in it. And, and I, I wanted to run bad, man. I wanted to run badly, you know. But that's what the word flee means. By the way, we, we got it out. Just so you know that story. One shot of the fire station shirt was out, but the smoke went in all the rooms, and it was just wonderful. It was a loser for, for a job, I can tell you that. It was a, it was a loser. But uh, we're supposed to flee from immorality. Not see how close we can get to it. If there was a raging fire, you wouldn't say, well, I wonder how close. I wonder if I can go in there and get by with it. I wonder if I can run through the building and make it out the other side without getting burned. That's what people do with immorality. The Bible says we're supposed to flee from the wrath to come. We're supposed to flee from idolatry. 1 Corinthians 10, 14. Wherefore, my dearly beloved brethren, flee, the same word, from idolatry. Run! From the love of money. 1 Timothy 6, 10. Said, For the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, the love of it. Is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after have erred from the faith. Talk about Christians. And have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, old man of God, flee these things. Run! And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. We're supposed to flee from youthful lust. 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee also youthful lust. So there's certain lusts. This, this uh, lust of the flesh is more intense when you're young. Now, it does not go away when you get my age, as Epstein proved, and other people like him. Old men are just dirty old men, you know, rather than, they, they, they're still dirty, though. Uh, and so you got this does is like it's not gone. And so we have uh, lastly we said the Bible says to flee from fornication. First Corinthians 6:18 says, flee fornication, two words. Flee fornication. And I, I got to read the rest of it because it explains something that is nowhere explained in the Bible except here. It says, every sin that a man doeth is without the body. In other words, we it's out. But he that committed fornication, and the word fornication is the word in Greek pornea. It has to do with all sorts of immorality. I mean, anywhere from nakedness, striptease, any kind of the, any kind of immorality, sensuality, any of the sensuality immorality is just one big bubble. It's a it's a really broad word that takes it all in. And so he says, flee from that. Ever sin to do without the body, but he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not of your own? You're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, you, may, you, you, would, be in, you would be correct some in saying this is a male-driven sin. It's not to say that women are without immorality. There has been a statement, I think, is true, not in the Bible, but it is true. It's, it's, uh, uh, morality rises and falls. The level of morality in any society rises and falls on the morality of the women. What does that say about us? 
Man, not good, is it? That, that is not a compliment. That is not a compliment on, on the men, uh, for sure. And so to say it is a male-driven, not a woman exempt by any means, but a male-driven sin is to be accurate about that. Uh, women are not sight-oriented like men. Now, so there may be a percentage, an exception, a 10%, 15%, 20% of the women are sight-oriented. The rest of them are not. They're more into how much you have in the bank. Do you have a steady job? Do you have a house? You know, stuff that counts. They can live with ugly. More than men can. Obviously, you prove that. <laughs> women are so much. I've seen women. I got to stop there. I got I to absolutely not go there. I'm not, I'm not going there. Women, however, often, sadly, love to incite men to give them attention. They crave attention. Their sensual dress proves that. Their over-makeup proves that. Their hairstyles, sensual hairstyles, and there are such a thing. There's such a thing. Body movements, oh my, my, that's true. Some of this is intentional and some is just natural. But it is there nevertheless and can incite man. I think it's a sin for a woman to incite a man. As it's wrong for a man to lust on a woman. But it's surely, surely the women have some responsibility to this. Now, now I've had women say, if I dressed in a burlap sack, they'd lust on me. Well, then that's on them, not you, right? I'm not recommending burlap. It's not very good against your skin. But to show your parts and stuff to men is just not wise. Too tight, too high, too low is wrong for men. It incites them. And women try to have the old clean hands, you know. Oh, it's not me. It's not me. No. That's it. There's responsibility on both. The problem with immorality is it's so basic to our nature. Uh, reproduction and marriage allows some of the very same acts that are condemned as sin outside of marriage, okay inside marriage. You with me about that, right? Physical relations between a man and a woman is perfectly fine inside marriage, but it's, just, it's wicked sin outside of marriage. Same thing. Inside, okay. Outside, wicked sin. I'm going to prove it to you. And the Bible says it. So the drive we have so that we'll reproduce, God has placed in us, both men and women, so that, and I say this with tongue-in-cheek a little bit, so that we'll get married. Because it's been said nobody would get married in their right mind if they didn't have a sex drive. Is this going on the Internet? You can cut that part probably, isn't it? But God put the sex drive in men so that we would marry and, and women 
Next to survival, this drive is as strong as eating. It's as strong as eating. It's just, this, the survival, they say, is number one. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to debate all that. But survival's strong, man. You push a guy in a corner, survival's strong. But the drive that I'm talking about, unless the flesh is also right up there with the same strength. Problems with this sin is the intensity of it when we're the dumbest in life. It's most intense when we're the dumbest. I thought there was a little craziness about that. It's most intense when you have the least track record of experience and you oftentimes in that early teenage years and later teenage years, there's an arrogancy that comes on. You know, sometimes a 16-year-old doesn't think anybody knows anything but them. Mom's, mom and dad are old, pal say, grandpa and grandpa, are you kidding? They're over the hill so far, they can't even see what it looks like. And, and you know, me, I'm, I'm it, man. I'm the center of the world. That's that ego of a 16, 17-year-old kid a lot of times. None of our children, of course. But this, this drive does not go away and cannot really be ignored. And what did God do? He meant it to drive us to marriage. He meant it to bind opposites together. He meant it to weld different views and opinions, likes and dislikes. How do you explain that your wife is opposite of you? How do you explain that you like blue, she likes red? Or you like this, you like that? Very, very, very few people that are like each other in likes and dislikes and personalities ever marry. Now, they do once in a while. They do. But it's a more of an exception than a rule. I can guarantee you that. What, what do you explain? Makes sense. Man, <clears throat> there can be no, as there can be no wholesome pride or no wholesome covetousness, there can be, there can be, there can be wholesome expressions or, or, or I'm trying to be careful here, right? With a mixed crowd, I'm, uh, intimate expressions of a married couple together under the right parameters. But if it's outside of those parameters, the Bible condemns it as wicked and lascivious. Immorality, as you probably all say, amen, do rules this world, young and old. The Bible says the whole world lies in wickedness. It is true. And this is one of the areas. It's just immorality is every. It's on your right hand on your left. TV, you can't watch TV, you can't watch commercials without it all being all over the place. It's just all over the place. You cannot live for God in purity being ruled by this monster called the lust of the flesh. There really is no mixing of light and darkness. You know that to be true, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14 through 7, 1. You can't, light, does light mix with dark? No. Um, pornography and purity do not mix. There is no coexistence with them. Fellowship with God and participation in immorality does not exist. You may have, a, a people I should say, may, may develop some sort of a strange existence between them, but it's not God that's doing it. Many have tried to have one foot in immorality and one foot in Christianity. You hear it today among the homosexual group. 
and I never can get the letters right, the LGSTP group. <clears throat> they try to somehow say, uh, they're on TV saying it, they're, in, they're everywhere saying it, we can be Christian like you're Christian and have these sexual preferences. We can be uh, lesbian, homosexual, transgender, uh, living together, and we're, we can be Christian. There's churches that are totally populated with, or totally populated with, this LG, B, whatever, group. I have, uh, God had me, ex had me exposed to this group one time in my life. I managed an apartment building, an eight-plex eight apartment building, and I had contact with transvestites, some of the worst, most confused of the homosexual group. And uh, I talked to them, spent uh, up to a half hour a shot talking to them. They wanted to talk. They knew what they were doing was wrong. They really did. They finally would admit that we know we hate. Here's what they would say to me, that I hate who I am. Ooh. Suicide among them, rampant. Average life expectancy used to be 35 years old due to uh, AIDS and due to suicide. It's a little bit better now because of the They've been able to hold AIDS back with some medicine they've come up with. But immorality can be physical, but it can be mental. That is more of the lust of the eyes. And Jesus made it clear. I mean, in Matthew 5, 28, he says, Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her committeth adultery with her already in his heart. Notice this male. He that looketh on a woman. He doesn't reverse it and say the woman looketh on the man, even though I'm sure that would be true. But he doesn't do that. Because it's a male-driven problem. And you and I are constantly having the battle, and it's wearisome, battling your flesh. I battle my flesh every day. I battle my eyes every day. It's a relief for me to spend a day out to my little farm uh, getting dirty in the dirt and planting flowers and doing stuff or doing that just so that I don't have to fight the war. You know what I'm talking about. Just I'm not around any women. It's just nice. But I think we need to understand the severity of the sin. No one, now this is, this, I'm going to slow here for a second. Because I want you to get this, and I want you to get it real, real, real good. You need to get this. Do not try to argue around this. No one will go to heaven who practices immorality. No one will go to heaven practices immorality. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. I'll just give you three examples. There are actually five. Know ye not, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Now, who's he talking to? A text without a context, a pretext. He's talking to the Corinthians. They're Christian. He's not talking to the unsaved. 
He's talking to the Corinthian church. He's talking to the Corinthian church. It's like I'm talking to you tonight. And so he says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not, be not deceived. That means you, this is understood. You be not deceived. Neither fornicators. First thing on the list is lust of the flesh, immorality, pornea, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. That's the homosexual group, transgender, either direction. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind. That's another description of homosexuality. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners. And look at this. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 10. None of these that just mentioned here shall inherit the kingdom of God. What part of that is fuzzy? Now, we're not talking a person that falls into that and repents. We're not talking about that. The Bible has a place for that. If you confess your sins, faithful and just, forgive your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He that covered sin shall not prosper. He that confesses and forsaken them shall have mercy. We're not talking. There's provision for people who sin. You and me would be shot without that, right? We need that. But there's no provision for people who practice it. You know, that's serious. So, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. First one, adultery. Second one, fornication. Third one, uncleanness. Fourth one, lasciviousness. All four of them have to do with lust of the flesh. All four of them. Normally in the lists of sins in the Bible, you'll find immorality right up at the top of the list. Idolatry will be up there. He says, and then if you go down to verse 21, it says, And they that would do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That sounds real familiar, doesn't it? According to Galatians. How about one more? Ephesians 5.5. 5. For this you know that no whoremonger. First thing. First thing. Whoremonger is just an immoral person. Nor unclean person has to do with sexually and sensually unclean. Nor covetous man. Dealing with covetous. We dealt with that lust of the eyes last time, right? Who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. How much inheritance? Has, does not have any inheritance. That goes along very smoothly with Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 23, where it says, not everybody that comes to me and says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. You know the verse. I've been over so many times. You don't want to be fooled. You don't want to be deceived. We can be. You don't want to misjudge God, misunderstand the Bible, and standing and end up standing before Jesus someday in the Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 23 scenario. You don't want to do that. Because no matter what you realize at that moment, you're not going back. It ain't going back. No going back. Don't fool yourself. You must overcome the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the, lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh. Seven times in the seven churches, he says, to him that what? Overcometh. You get all of this. Listen, if you get truly born from above, the Holy Spirit of God, which is God, comes and dwells in you in the form of the Holy Spirit, 
There's nobody stronger than God. There's nobody bigger. If God be for you, who can be against you? And so there's no reason why we cannot be overcomers. There's no reason tonight why you can't be an overcomer. God's made every provision for it to be so. Some of the steps in overcoming this deeply resistant sin of immorality. Some common sense, common sense things biblically. First of all, if you want to overcome immorality, you've got to memorize some verses. You've got to get in this book. This is a war. This is hand-to-hand combat. Your soul's at stake. You've got to get in here. Because these verses will help you when the attack's on. When the attack comes by, and you're, or you get offered, or whatever it is, You'll be able to go, (laughs) no, you're not going to get me. You're not going to get me to do that. Because, and then you're going to quote some verses. The Bible is going to rehearse through your head, and you're going to be able to to overcome, amen? You won't have to go there. Let me tell you, you're not a blubbering idiot. You're not a slave. According to Romans chapter 6, the power of sin has been cut free from the born-again believer. You've been cut free. You've been cut free. That doesn't mean you're not going to suffer. That doesn't mean you're not going to have temptation. That doesn't mean you're not going to struggle, but it does mean you got freedom. One of the things uh, that uh, Institute Based Life Principle recommends is to memorize Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 8. Uh, a few years ago, oh, maybe 20 years ago, I think a bunch of us in the church, remember we did that and we quoted Romans 6 and uh, the secret weapon. Uh, Brian Cronin, he quotes, and he still quotes it. Uh, Tom Cronin told me he was having trouble sleeping. He quotes it before he goes to bed. He says he almost never finishes. Has trouble sleeping, starts quoting 23 verses of Romans chapter 6, and he's asleep by, you know. And if he doesn't get, if he doesn't go to sleep by then, he starts quoting Romans chapter 8. That's a little bit longer chapter. And so he quotes Romans chapter 8 there, and he says almost that never gets through. You don't have, cut the sleeping pills. Cut the drugs and get in the Word of God and start quoting it. But now you got to quote it probably. You say you can try to read it. Sure, read it. I know I went through two years of absolute sleeplessness. I'm telling you it was horrible. It's tormentive. It's awful. I think God did it so I'd know what was going on. And I would go out in my living room and I would sit there and read my Bible and, and quote Scripture and read my Bible and read more Bible. And, and I did really good at reading my Bible that year, those couple years. And eventually, you know, get tired enough where you could go get a couple hours sleep or so. What I realized is you can live on a whole lot less sleep than you think you can. You do not need as much sleep as you think you need. You can get by on it. But we need to review regularly the victory. Uh, cleanse our minds from the, the voice is telling you you're a victim. The voice is telling me you can't help it. The voice is telling me there's no the voice is telling you there's no victory. He's a liar. You the word of God will help eradicate the things that remind you of it. Don't go where you get bothered. I hate to say it, but I haven't been to the mall in 20 years. Saved a lot of money. I haven't been to the beach 
I don't go to the beach. I love the beach, by the way. I love it. I love to walk the beach. I love the beach. I don't go to the beach. If I go to the beach, I go to Marty Roach's place. You know, and I don't even know. I'm trying to think even when we go there once or twice every five years. But I'm just saying, why do I do that? Because I don't like the beach or I don't like the mall. I love all that. I like to go, but I know myself. And I know that I need to stay away from that stuff because I do not need. And by the way, no offense meant, but the women would sure help a lot if they put some clothes on. I had to get that out there. But uh, I think you need to create some accountability with somebody, somebody that's close to you. Could be your wife, could be somebody else, could be another man, but create a little bit of account create some accountability. Some give somebody permission to ask you hard questions. Give somebody permission to ask you hard questions. Your phone should have absolute, your wife should have absolute access to your phone. There's no secret, nothing. If you're an addict, there can be no secret. Your child, by and by, your child has nothing private if they're in your house. It's all yours, and you can go anywhere you want to go, in their bedroom, look around, everything. There's no safe place so that they can hide stuff. Now, you know where I got that? Time Magazine. About 15 years ago. Did an article about how to keep these kids from getting in trouble. It said you cannot give them a safe place in your house. Don't give them a, a secret drawer or anything with a lock on it. You, you got your key to everything. At this church, we have access to everything. Nobody, no teacher, no nothing has a place that we can't get into and look and, in fact, once in a while do. I'm talking computers and everything. Uh, we need to, you need to create a company. You need to find a new purpose in life. Man, you need to get your mind off of that. Got to get your mind off of that. No, new focus, new heart. Get some, how about hard work? Hard work will help you. Challenge yourself to higher living. Uh, hanging around new people. People with a vision. People with a victory. People that want to walk above those things. Uh, go, you know, like I said, go to new places. Get a new philosophy of life, spiritually. And it wouldn't hurt to get married if it's possible. You say, does marriage cure everything? No, married people can be immoral. Married people can be illustrious. You know that. But it was God's method for releasing the pressure in this area. Uh, I know that because it tells about a husband and a wife in Corinth not to be apart except for prayer and fasting, lest Satan come and tempt them. What's he talking about? You know what he's talking about. Nothing will, nothing will be, nothing will beat your personal want to. And really, what that deals with is what I talked about this morning: your love for God. Love God. More than yourself. And you'll escape his grip. I was watching a, uh, uh, some, I was, uh, I only have, I do not have, I mean, I don't say this to try to be more holy than anybody or anything else, but I'm, ch I'm just cheap. I don't have cable. I don't have satellite. I just got these little ears, and I get about five or six channels. And in my surfing through around there one time, I, I recently saw this guy advertising a diet program. Now, why is it on TV you see lawyers advertising 
You see diet advertising, right? A lot of that. A lot of that. A diet advertising. And then you see food. Food, 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 food everywhere. So you see food, you see diet, and you, and, you, know, and you see lawyers to sue somebody. And once in a while, a poor doctor will get on there and advertise, but they get sued out of existence pretty soon. I don't see many vets advertising, I'll be honest with you. Um, but in this one, this one guy who's supposed to be the guru of dieting, I mean, he is like looked up to, man, nationwide about this guy. And I, if I knew his name, I'd tell you. And he was, he's Mr. Man, he can get these people. He had example after example after example of these people who were, you know, real big and got, you know, small and, and all this other stuff. And it was impressive. But here's what got me. He said, the first thing you got to have to diet is the want to. Man, I thought that's easy. No, that's not so easy. He said, you got to want it more than you want life itself. Because when you diet, you feel like you're dying. Yeah. You feel like life's not even worth living if you can't have your munchies. You can't have a Krispy Kreme. I mean, you might as well just end it all. You can't go for your ice cream every night. Every night. I got to have my bowl, not a dip, bowl of ice cream every night. This is stuff I've heard. I just pick it up. I got a sweet tooth, preacher. Uh-huh. I make a whole cake. I put the frosting on it. I sit down with a glass of milk and eat the whole thing. You got a sweet tooth. All I can tell you is James chapter 4, verse 7, says, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Amen? You can do it. You can have victory. The hope tonight of the message of this third highly resistant is that you are no longer as a born-again Christian a victim but a victor. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. We do not, I do not, you do not have to succumb to immorality. And I can say this, if you're practicing immorality, you need to get saved. Because saved people don't do that. According to the Bible. Now you can argue with that all you want. You can say, well, I know I'm saved. Go through the verses and all that stuff. But the Bible was contradicting you real hard. and says something is lacking. If you're practicing it, it's something wrong. And you want to get away from it. And you want to repent. And I don't care if you want to get saved again, baptized again. Let me say this. I've met people who said, I want to get, I, I, they got saved like four times. And we know theologically there's only one time he gets saved. But I never argue with somebody who's been saved three times and baptized three times that comes to me and says, Preacher, I believe I need to get saved. I say, Let's do it right now. You trust Christ right now as your Savior. I can't see their heart. I don't know what happened those other three times. I don't know what happened, why it didn't take. But brother, if it didn't take three times, maybe four will be good. But whatever happens, I want you to go to heaven. Whatever happens, I want you to have your sins forgiven and go to heaven. I don't want you to wake up at Romans and Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 23. I don't want that. 
And so I don't, rather than getting all theological and tell them, well, you know, you really can only be saved one time. And you were saved back there at five years old. So once you got saved, once saved, always saved. So consequently, you never need to pray again. Might as well not, and then talk them out of it. Have the guy die and go to hell. What? I'm just going to say, okay, let's waive all that. And let's get saved. And let's get baptized. And I've had, I'm going to tell you the craziest, the craziest example of that was Ernie Stewart. Does anybody know Ernie Stewart in this room? Ernie Stewart's wife, Phyllis. A deacon's, he's, he helped start, he, he and Jim McCollum really spearheaded the start of this church. And loved God and working for him. Phyllis, I've been over to her house many times. And uh, one day we had an evangelist, I can't remember who it was. She came forward, and I thought, oh, well, you know, you know, deacons' wives need to get right with God. I mean, it's true. So she came forward, and then after he talked to her a little bit, went in the back, came, he came, brought her out, and he says, Phyllis got saved tonight. Saved? Why, Phyllis wasn't saved. Nobody was saved. He said, no. And Phyllis gave her testimony. And to be honest with you, I didn't care what she said. I accepted it. I said, okay, you weren't saved. Are you saved now, Phyllis? I'm saved. You know Christ now. And guess what? Highly embarrassing to be at that age, she got rebaptized. And you know what? I believe today, Phyllis is long gone. I believe she's in heaven. Now you can say, well, she put up with that embarrassment. Put yes, she did, but brother, I'd rather do that and be in heaven than to have a little bit of pride and a bung, you know, and people are going, what are they going to think of me? I don't care what people think of me. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. Father, help us tonight. Give us wisdom. Pass our years. Oh, blessed Holy Spirit, explain this to us. Help us in Jesus' name. Save us out of the mouth of the lion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you and God bless.